Acts chapter 13, 13 to 52. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went to Sidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites, and you Gentiles who worship me, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king, God testified concerning this, concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead, so that he will never be subject to decay. As God said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wander and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. When Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. 
We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Good morning, Cornerstone. I'm not there. I'm here at my house. I uh, just realized this morning that my kids both have the sniffles, both have um, colds, hopefully just colds. And because of COVID, we're just staying home. That's just how this works for, for this time. So I'm sorry that I couldn't be there in person to welcome you, to greet you. If there's a visitor there, I'm so happy you're there. I just wish that I was there to, to greet you um, and for the rest of my church family as well. Uh, but I'm going to try to give the sermon online this morning. Hopefully this will work and, uh, and the Lord will speak through this time. Uh, so let me go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together. Um, the church family, please bless those that gather at Cornerstone, those that are online. Uh, would we hear your word? Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to start today by telling you a little bit about Dora. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> now, when my son Elijah goes to bed, he loves to ask for a Dora story. Uh, so I sit down and I tell Elijah a story about Dora uh, going exploring. There's one problem. Up until this week, up until Tuesday, uh, even though I've been telling Dora stories for months, I'd never actually sat down and watched a full episode of Dora the Explorer. And so when I talked about Dora, I based my stories on little snippets I had seen here and there. Uh, on what Monica said Dora the Explorer is about, and on my imagination, on <laughs> whatever I wanted it to be. Uh, so when I would tell Dora stories, you know, you know, Dora's mom and dad are taking her to the grocery store to go shopping, or they're going to their car mechanic to get the car fixed, uh, going to school. I was especially proud of one Dora story where in their imagination, they made a cardboard spaceship and flew to the moon i felt like that was a little bit of like a daniel tiger crossover with dora the explorer because he uses his imagination uh but i could say whatever i wanted and it wasn't until this week that i really was like okay here are some characters here's what makes dora the explorer we also recently got a book from the library about dora the explorer and that really filled out my dora knowledge base uh, and so i'm, I'm going to attempt to to share a picture here uh, this picture is for uh, the Dora enthusiasts uh, of Cornerstone, whether that's uh, Elijah or Piper or Andy Bradshaw, whoever whoever's excited about Dora. This picture is for you. So you can see there. There's Dora uh, in the center. Boots to the left is her monkey pal. Uh, he wears red boots. Obviously, there's the map that they talk to. They get directions. Uh, typical Dora plotline starts with. Uh, her wanting to go someplace uh, and there's different obstacles that they they go through to get to that place 
there's Tico, the uh, the purple squirrel, uh, and then Swiper. You can see Swiper, uh, the fox. He likes to swipe things. And when Dora sees Swiper, she says, "Swiper, no swiping." Uh, and he's up to no good. There's Benny, uh, kind of to the right there, the accident-prone moose. And in the background, you can see this giant red chicken that's just called Big Red Chicken. I kind of think uh, it's a uh, Clifford the Red Dog, the Big Red Dog knockoff. Um, but uh, what do I know? Uh, so this is Dora. And so hopefully that adds a little bit of context to uh, this illustration this morning. See, it's important to understand context. It's important to understand the story. You know, I, I, when I watched the Adora Explorer um, episode this week, she had to get to a party in a tree house and she had to go across a lake full of alligators and then through a, over a wall that was for some reason, like right in the middle of a road. I don't know why there was a wall there. Uh, and she met her friends along the way. And so there was kind of a narrative, there was a context, there was a story. And studying that story helped me get the story. And today I want to talk about the Bible's story. Uh, I want to look at the Apostle Paul because he really demonstrates what it means to know the story. So Paul understood the story of Israel, uh, the context that he was speaking to. Paul understood uh, the story of salvation, how that story connected to Jesus, the Messiah, God's only chosen king. And then Paul also understood uh, our own personal and individual stories, how we need to respond to this greater story. And so today I want to talk about kind of three stories. That's just one big story. I want to talk about their stories. I want to talk about salvation's story. And I want to talk about your story. And so we're going to be following just a, a very kind of three-part approach here as we go through Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 52. Because uh, I think really, as we talk about their story, right, this is, we're not thinking about my own story yet, we're thinking about the people, the stories of the people around us, uh, uh, our context, our community, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends. If we want to be a gospel witness like the Apostle Paul, it's important to think about other people's stories. So if we look down at uh, verses 13 through 15, it starts with uh, Paul and Barnabas. Now they're continuing their missionary journey. This is the first missionary journey. And I'm going to pull up a map here. We're going to see how well this works. Going back to Dora, for those Dora enthusiasts, just soak it in, Andy, just soak it in. Uh, all right, now this is maps. You know, I'm not sure who's into maps here. Maybe maybe Alan likes a, a good map or Bona or Mubashir. So this is uh, the, the early story of uh, Christianity, the first missionary journey. You can see how the, the missionary started in Antioch. They, they sailed to Cyprus. So this is Barnabas and Saul, uh, also known as Paul. They sailed to Salamis. Then they travel across the island to Paphos. And then they head about 150 miles north to uh, uh, Italia. Now, this is actually Barnabas, Saul, and John. John actually leaves them there and heads home. Uh, and then Paul and Barnabas head to Antioch. Now, this is not the same Antioch in northern Syria. This is the Antioch in uh, Pisidia or the region of Galatia. 
So verses 14 through 15 say this. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue and sat down. And after reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word for, of encouragement for the people, say it. Uh, now, they're, they're in the region of Galatia. This is the region where Paul is going to write the letter to the Galatians, to the Christians in this region. Uh, and I'm going to come back from the, the map to myself here. And so what we see here is Paul, he reads from the scripture, and he's going to tell a story. He's going to tell their story. He's going to show the, the Jewish synagogue, synagogue and the believers there, well, the the, the Jews and actually there were non-Jewish Gentile believers who were Jewish, uh, well, who, who followed kind of Jewish belief, but they weren't circumcised, so they weren't officially Jewish. Uh, and he's going to speak to them. He's going to show them that he knows their story. And so it's meant to inspire us. Like we need to understand the stories of those around us as well. So as men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, he speaks to, uh, so he's speaking to the Jews. And then verse 17, he says, the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. With uplifted arm, he led them out of it. So already uh, uh, Paul is going back to like the big events in the nation of Israel. And you probably think of no greater event, no bigger event than the Exodus when God led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. An amazing event, but it did not really go very well. Verses 18 and 19. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. You put up with someone, right? Like on a, on a long car trip. It's not usually like, oh, I really enjoyed spending time with them. Uh, he put up with them for 40 years in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, he gave them their land as an inheritance. So he gave the Israelites Canaan, uh, uh, Canaan uh, after a whole generation of Israelites actually perished in the wilderness. Verse 20 says, all this took about 450 years and after he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. So if you look at the story of the Bible, it goes uh, like the story Saul is telling, he doesn't like tell the whole story. He tells like the major snippets, the things that matter most. Just like when we tell our own stories and we introduce ourselves, like, you know, maybe you're getting dinner you have a couple over for dinner for the first time you ask them about like how did you guys meet and uh you know where did you get married you kind of ask them for like the big segments of the story you're not like where were you on tuesday you know january 3rd in 1989 and maybe that's a really significant date for you uh but here Paul kind of focuses on the big dates and he ju actually jumps the whole book of judges. He goes straight from like, they're entering the promised land to, Oh, now they have Kings. And then he talks about Saul, uh, uh, the son of Kish, a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, uh, would you guys think it was funny if I was like, you know what? Our next sermon series is going to be about the, the great hero, Jonathan, uh, from the old Testament, uh, it would be a little silly. Now, we know Jonathan is an important character in the Old Testament, right? He's the friend of David. He's this noble, uh, a valorous, like um, honorable character who is true and loyal to David. And, and you know, I can't really think of many, much a much better character than uh, Jonathan in the Bible. But you kind of get the point. Like Saul is kind of 
focusing on his namesake. I'm not sure exactly why he's doing that. Maybe it's just a little like fun thing for him. Uh, but he focuses on David and 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 how David uh, Saul and how Saul was a king, but then uh, Saul disobeyed God, and then God raised up another king, King David. Uh, verse 22. And when he had removed him, Saul, so God removed Saul. He raised up David to be their king, uh, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do my will. So here kind of the story is finally kind of coming to its culmination, right? There's the greatest king of Israel. He's this David, he, he, the guy, he's after God's own heart. But what do the Jews and those, those non-Jewish believers know about Jewish history? They know that David didn't turn out so well. I mean, he, he was a man after God's own heart, but he also, you know, slept with Bathsheba and murdered her husband. Uh, that's not good. He's not the perfect king. He's not a king. Uh, he's not the final king. He's not the true and ultimate king. So there must be another better king. And that's how Paul transitions us then to Dave, uh, to, to Jesus, King Jesus, verses 23 through 25. Of this man's offspring, so the descendants of David, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. As John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but after me is coming the sandals, uh, one of the, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. So Paul finishes telling the story. It goes from like Moses, right, to Israel, to uh, kind of the Exodus, to, to Saul, to David, to John the Baptist, to Jesus, to the Savior, to the ultimate and final king of Israel. And so he's retelling his audience's story, but he kind of takes it in this new and surprising direction that they weren't expecting. And I think the application I want to take away from this, and it's not super complicated, but it's just this idea of like, as Christians, we need to understand our context. We need to understand the stories of those around us. Pastor Neil Hudson, he defines a disciple. So a follower of Jesus this way, he says, a disciple is someone learning to live the way of Jesus in their context at this moment. A disciple is someone learning to live the way of Jesus in their context at this moment. And that's what Barnabas and Saul are doing. Remember, uh, uh, Paul, Barnabas was just in his home country of Cyprus. That's where he's from. He started his missionary movement in uh, his hometown. And Saul is only about 200 miles west of Tarsus, Tarsus uh, which is the place where he grew up. Uh, I'm really struggling with these Bible words this morning, <laughs> uh, but it's also kind of his context. So he would have uh, been familiar with Galatia and that region, most likely. And so the question I have for you is, do you understand our context? Do you understand the context God has placed you in? Like, have you taken time to listen to uh, your coworkers, to your family members, to your neighbors and to their stories? You know, there's a, a pastor, I'm not sure who said it, but he said, if I only had 60 minutes on an airplane with an individual for 55 minutes, I would listen to their story. And then for five minutes, I would share the gospel. I think it's a really powerful, powerful uh, uh, illustration that we should spend a lot more time listening and hearing uh, and paying attention to other people's stories before we even jump into the gospel. 
And this is tough because it takes patience, it takes prayer, it takes reliance on the Holy Spirit saying, God, I don't know what the timing is for this relationship or for this conversation, but I want to have it in your timing. Help me listen and hear their story so that I, I'm prepared and I'm ready. When I worked in uh, D.C., I, I had a friend who was not a believer, did not know Jesus, but we'd get into these really interesting conversations, right? Like I was really into apologetics, right? Defending the faith. And so we would watch like a, a science movie um, uh, that kind of linked Christianity and and uh, science. And then, uh, you know, he would show me this atheist movie or, or, or whatever, and we'd kind of critique each other and have these sort of friendly debates. And it was good. It was a really good time. Um, but I don't think I really got very far, uh, until, you know, we really got down to some personal stories. Uh, he shared with me that like a personal tragedy had, had, uh, had happened that had really hurt him. Someone he loved and cared about deeply had, had died suddenly and tragically. I think that really shaped his understanding of whether or not there's a God. Right. Uh, and I think that opened up some doors, uh, for sharing the love of Christ. I don't believe this individual yet knows Jesus, but uh, you know I was able to be there for a part of that story, uh, and I was able to be there for a part of that story because I was listening and asking questions about his story. Uh, and so, maybe take a moment and just pray and ask God, Lord, uh, you know, who who are the people that I need to to listen to their story a bit more? Who can I, you know, invite out for Zoom coffee or go for a social distanced walk with, wearing masks six feet apart, uh, so that I can. Um, hear their story. Uh, and for us as a church community, we need to understand our context, Westford and the surrounding communities. I, I think God has placed us in Westford for a reason uh, in this context. And, you know, we can continue to kind of go to church and really kind of just say, well, this is just where the church is. Or we can say, no, God has placed us here so that we can get to know the community so that we can share the love of Christ with them through their story. Uh, and so I want to challenge all of us to continue to get to know Westford. I serve on a town committee in Westford, just started, uh, not an expert here at all, uh, but I, I did go through and count up all the vacancies on town committees uh, this week. And currently there are 45 vacancies in like town committees, positions, boards um, that could be filled. There's a lot of opportunity to get to know the community of Westford uh, by serving on, you know, a, a housing authority board or, or something like that. Uh, there are lots of other ways to get to know the community of Westford, you know, volunteering on a sports team or, uh, or to get to know your kind of community where you live. If you're not living in Westford, uh, coaching your, your kid's sports team or, uh, or, um, you know, going to your gym and your community uh, or interacting with the school a bit more. The point is that we need to get to know the stories of those around us. And so first, let's know their story. Now, we need to take their story uh, and hopefully we get a chance to share the gospel and connect their story to the greater gospel story, to the salvation story, the story of, of resurrection and hope in Christ Jesus. So continuing in verses 26 through 37, uh, starting in verse 26, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophet. 
Scriptures, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. And so Paul is just showing that like God's plan of salvation is going to happen and has happened despite opposition. That God is ultimately the one writing the story. And the story is that one day a savior would come, the king, the ultimate king, uh, and this king would lay down his life for the worst of his subjects, <laughs> that he would pay the penalty for our sins on the cross, and that it was actually those subjects that put him to death. And yet, yet the king was was dying to redeem them out of love for them, uh, to offer the free gift of salvation to anyone who will repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And that that offer of salvation still extends to you and to me. And if you're watching online or you're sitting at Cornerstone and you don't know Jesus, today could be the day of, of your salvation. Today you can know the King and that the King laid down his life for you, no matter what you've done or where you've been. Continuing on in these verses, verses 30 through 33, but God raised him from the dead, right? So Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins, but then he rose again. God raised him up from the grave. Now we know that death doesn't have to be the end. Isn't that great? Like uh, like hundreds of thousands of people have, have, have perished from COVID and yet God is good and he raised Jesus from the dead. And so we know that that doesn't have to be the end uh, for any who repent and believe. And one day we're all going to die, whether it's COVID or something else. Uh, and so uh, knowing that Jesus rose from the grave get great, gives us great hope uh, and eternal life. God raised him from the dead. And for many days, he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. This isn't just our imagination. Many people saw this who are now witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Here, uh, Paul quotes Psalm 2, which is a royal psalm. This is one thing I got from Terry Isles while he was with us. I got many things from him, but uh, one thing I think we all got was that Psalm 2 is a royal psalm, and it's about the anointed one, the coming Messiah. And uh, it's really a challenge to, to, to bend the knee. Uh, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish. That's Psalm 2, verse 12. And so as Psalm as, as Paul references this verse, there is an implied judgment against, uh, against those that he's preaching to. Like you need to repent and receive salvation. Otherwise, uh, you know, the son does come in judgment one day. Verses 34 through 37. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had, ser after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. So just once again, saying that like David didn't fulfill these promises. David died and uh, there needed to be another king that fulfilled these promises that didn't see corruption. And that's Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the, the dead. And that truly is the good news. The resurrection is absolute good news. Uh, and it's surprising, right? It's, it's surprising and exciting that this is where the story leads. 
because I don't think the Jewish audience or those Gentile audience that was there that was uh, kind of believing in the Jewish scriptures, I don't think they they knew this, right? No one knew, knew this. This was completely surprising, completely mysterious, completely different. It reminds me of uh, Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. Now, maybe the younger generation doesn't have this. I'm just, I think, you know, maybe on, an, an, you know, I don't know. I'm a millennial, but for some reason I know this. Um, uh, perhaps it was because we would, I was homeschooled and we listened to the radio in the afternoons. Uh, but we would listen to Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. And he'd start by uh, saying, and now you know the rest of, and now the rest of the story. And then he'd tell a, a story that took a sudden and surprising twist at the end. Uh, I listened to one of them on YouTube this week. I don't know if I've ever heard this one before, but it was about a Franciscan mission a Franciscan mission in Texas that was built in a grove of cottonwood trees. And so people started calling this Franciscan mission the cottonwood. But over time, this Franciscan mission was sold. Uh, well, was, first it was rented out uh, uh, by the Franciscans. Uh, and then it was rented out and then, it, yeah, and then it was sold. And it was actually sold and came into the ownership of a liquor store. So uh, Franciscan mission to liquor store. It's called the Cottonwood. Uh, but then a uh, historical society came along and bought that old Franciscan mission, that liquor store, and renovated it and uh, turned it into a historical landmark because, uh, because and here's the, here's the twist, because a small band of Texan volunteers fought and died there. Uh, and so the big reveal is that Cottonwood, cottonwood is the word Alamo in Spanish. Uh, and yes, that mission was actually the Alamo. Uh, that was a liquor store for a while. And Paul Harvey ends by saying, and now you know the end of the story, or the rest of the story. I messed it up. And now you know the rest of the story. Uh, so I just wanted to share this picture with you. This is, I think, my last picture to share with you. Yes, you can see the cottonwood trees uh, to the left and to the right. Uh, and that's the Alamo. And that's me. Uh, that's when I worked for the Farm Credit Administration back in October 2009. Uh, uh, beardless Jonathan. Uh, so I just thought I'd give you that little nugget of joy today. But there's, there's the Alamo and those cottonwood trees and the flag of Texas. So there you go. Okay. The salvation story is surprising. We know the rest of the story because we know of Christ Jesus. And uh, Paul says that the story really leads to Jesus. It ends with him. And so, you know, it starts with understanding their story, and we need to understand the stories of those around us. We need to understand the, the salvation story. And if you're feeling like you don't really know the salvation story, let's let this Advent season be a challenge to you to really read and study the story. Start in Matthew chapter one and read through the gospel of Matthew this, this Christmas or Luke uh, or John, any of them, Mark, <laughs> read through the gospel narrative and learn more about that story uh, because we all need to know the story in order to tell others about that story and to believe it ourselves. Uh, and this leads to our stories, how we respond to uh, that greater story. So I call this section, the final section of this message, my story, their story, salvation story, my story. Uh, because Paul challenges his audience to believe. Verses 38 
through 39 say this, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And so the Israelites, they weren't able to win their salvation through obeying the law. That was never the purpose of the law. Uh, the law was meant to point them to their need for a savior uh, and to to be a way in which they could practice their faith. Uh, but it was never by obeying the law that they could win salvation. It was a way of trusting God and pointing to Christ Jesus. And so uh, we need Jesus to forgive us and give us eternal life. And it's serious if we ignore this, you know, if we go through our lives and, and, and don't turn to Christ. Uh, Paul continues this way, he says, beware Therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. Wouldn't that be scary if there was something that God had done that uh, people told you about and you didn't believe? Uh, that's true of many people who, who harden their hearts to the gospel message. We cannot control how other people respond to the gospel message, but we can review our own hearts and say, how am I responding to the gospel? Am I hardening my heart, not really believing, not wanting to believe at all? Uh, because to, to believe the gospel means, you know, I'm sinful and I'm broken and I need a savior, that I'm not God. And that can be a difficult message to believe because from an early point in our lives, it's instilled in us to be self-reliant and trust in ourselves and uh, to do a good job. And it's humbling to think, wow, I need a savior. Uh, but we all do. Uh, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. There was a good response. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them, con urged them to continue in the grace of God. Uh, and so clearly something caught on in, in this area in Galatia. Uh, people came to know Christ. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw that the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him and Paul and Barnabas. Uh, and they spoke out loudly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Because the Jewish people here are rejecting the gospel message by reviling Paul and Barnabas, the gospel is going to go to the, the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul and Barnabas, despite the persecution, despite the rejection, are filled with joy. And I think there's a promise there that if we share the gospel, uh, even if we're rejected, we will be filled with joy. I don't know about you, but when I've shared the gospel, even when it's uncomfortable, I always feel a great sense of release and excitement afterwards, even even if it's awkward and, and usually it's, it's better than I think it's going to, than it is that I think it's going to go. Uh, and so here's a challenge though, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not a believer, uh, 
you're a valuable person, your story matters. Uh, but maybe you can look back at your story and identify places where God was at work in your life. You know, that he was uh, directing events, maybe moving people, maybe changing hearts, maybe softening your heart. And maybe God, maybe you've been through some really tough times. Maybe you're going through a tough time right now, you know, and perhaps there's resentment in your heart towards God because of that. But what if God's trying to show you or in your past has shown you that you're not God, that you're not your own savior and that you need a savior you need God to deliver you uh, from your sins and to give you salvation? Well, God wants you to, is calling you you know, to, to repent and believe. And, and I just want to deliver that word from Jesus to you today, that, that today can be the day of your salvation. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. I know I'm sitting on my laptop, uh, you know, in Chelmsford, and it's a little bit easier for me to say that from here, perhaps, than to look you in your eyes and say that. But I, I want you to hear that. Uh, there is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. He is the only way of salvation. And so repent and believe and receive that eternal life. You will never regret it. In fact, you'll enjoy it for all eternity. And so my big idea from this message is just to know the story, right? Know other people's stories, uh, know the salvation story, and, and know your own story. And how, and, and how will you respond to the gospel message? Uh, we don't want to just make up stories. You know, it's fun to make up a Dora story, but that's what it is. It's a made-up story. The gospel message, the salvation story, is not a made-up story. Uh, and, and every Dora story kind of has this nice ending where uh, she sings with friends and celebrates how they all came together uh, and they sing, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Now, I'm kind of relying on Monica's information for this because I haven't watched every Dora uh, uh, show out there. I've, I've watched one. <laughs> uh, but apparently they come together and they sing, we did it. And if you know Christ Jesus, one day you and I are going to come together and we're going to sing, he did it. He did it. Jesus Christ did it. He's the one who has written the story from start to finish. And may, may we believe that story. We, may we believe in him. And let's just know the story because he has done it. And he's going to finish the story out. All right. I love you guys. Let me pray. And uh, Andy will close us with a benediction right, Andy, <laughs> or someone will, uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to preach online. Weird, Lord, it's weird. I want to trust that you're going to use this, and that for whatever reason, you were like, you know what? Jonathan needs to preach from his house today instead of in person. Uh, I pray that, that, that all the technical stuff would work out and that this would, this would work, Lord. Uh, would we know you and love you and be in relationship with you? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.